Hey, cool kids. I'm a bit excited. I've got Sam here with me. Hello, Sam. Hello. It's nice to be back. It's nice to have some time to do stuff other than childcare. Other than childcare. Um, Child wrangle, I would say. (laughs) Child herding? Child herding. Just to be like this clear, this is this is your child. It's this not, is my child. But you know, how do you describe you know, how do you describe taking care of the toddler? It's quite hard. Because... It's, it's indescribable unless you've been there and I, I uh, or my toddler's now much, much older than that. But teenager. It's not really uh well teenager herding is just are you gonna get out of bed mostly at the moment? Anyway, you, you, Pete Motel listeners, you, you are listening to a music podcast, and I need to explain something that's sonically important to this episode. Um, we've got the builders in. We've got. <laughs> we're, I'm at home. <laughs> got the builders in. Um, no, we've got got the. <laughs> um, I'm a, I'm in my home home studio today, speaking to you on a very expensive and very nice microphone. Um, so you're going to hear every little bit of spittle and everything else in this recording. But upstairs in the bathroom. We have the builders in because about 18 years ago, I put some tiles up around the shower and it turns out you're supposed to replace the grout every now and then. Otherwise, the wall goes soggy and it all turns to shit. <laughs> Basically, so we, we haven't had a bath or a shower for, I don't know, five or six weeks. So when when the... You must stink. Oh, absolutely honk. I've just been <laughs> dunking myself... <laughs> I was coming to Finland to to, 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 to give, give the people in um give the people in the UK a break from my odor. Um, yeah, Sam's just revealed another little thing there. We're, I'm I'm going to visit him, and we're going to probably do an episode about that. So yeah, that you might hear some banging and crashing around, but to keep it on theme, the the builder stroke plumber who's here is Luke from the band Power, because musicians are good networkers, and if you're going to get your bathroom repaired in a hurry why not use a musician in fact it's quite cool because he's got a sight radio like a that's what it's called you know it's like a makita thing and it's it was covered in band stickers last time i saw it and this time there's only one sticker left and it's my marin scale sticker which is <laughs> cool because you can't keep down those stickers they're like gaffer tape or something right so do you want to reveal the theme for this episode sam uh, yes, today's episode is going to be about parody bands or parody music, depending on how you view the genre. Uh, and that means bands that, or music that um, sort of is, I, I would say, amazingly self-aware about what it's doing, but also making quite a lot of heavy references, uh, extremely heavy references to music that is already out there. Um, it's it's not just comical music. It, it it needs to be linked to certain genres, certain styles, certain uh, certain bands, etc., uh, etc. Et because it's parody <laughs> rather than just satire or comedy. Uh, as usual, you've taken this in quite a deep way, which I love you for, and it will make it very interesting. But I, I've just done stupid stuff mostly. No, I haven't. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go on too much about my choices until you've heard them. Okay. Oh, can you hear that? There's some drilling going no, on. I, I can't hear that. That's very rhythmical, though. So it just fits the. <laughs> it's a throbbing kind of sound. Um, it's experimental music behind Andrew. <laughs> I've heard some worse things at gigs I've played. Right, I so to, I went to see Can once at London Fields Festival. Can were playing the the uh, kraut rock classic, legendary kraut rock band, and they did have a man with, uh, I think, basically a, it was a barrel full of concrete and a drill, <laughs> and, oh, man. and they mic that up, and it was horrendous. Um, and I've never really vis- revisited Can since but I, it's one of those things that as an audience member i'll probably go that's quite interesting especially because i like well that's literal music concrete isn't it but as a musician i'm thinking some poor bastard had to carry that in it's like whenever you see a band with a proper hammond organ you think what poor soul had to like lug that in and out of a you just, crappy you just transit hope, van i mean you hope the, the because the, the guy who was doing it was probably too old to do it himself you just hope the roadie has the has a good insurance, a good sort of workouts, you know. 
and wearing a, a protective truss or something. Yeah. We saw boredoms at ATP, didn't we? And one of boredoms, he had kind of a washing up bowl full of oh, utensils yeah. and stuff. <laughs> it just looked. Well, it sounded didn't sound great to be honest. So let's let's start on a high point here. Before we go into our parodies, let's have a riff of the week. First of all, let's have Sam's riff of the week. Now I don't really know how to pronounce this band name, so do you want to tell us who they are? Uh, I, as far as I know, uh, it's pronounced Chapang. They are uh-huh. a they call themselves Immigrant Four. Uh, they're a grindcore band, really, from Nepal, who live in New York City in the USA. And they've just put out a new album, and I really like the album. And I just wanted to share that with people. And this is one of the riffs. This is these. This uh, the problem with choosing grindcore stuff is that if we do the whole thirty seconds, which we do do the whole thirty seconds, that can be an entire grindcore song. So, <laughs> but still, let's do the whole thirty seconds. Let's do the thirty seconds. Here we go. Japan with this one's called Juicy. Whoa. <laughs> now, the way, listeners, the way this works, when we do Riff of the Week or any of the music choices or anything, uh, I always ask Sam just to send me his choices. I then have to go and extract the audio from wherever I can find it. And I was quite surprised that that song is only about a minute and a half long, but that 30 seconds encompasses about four different parts. Yeah. I thought that was actually quite a broad representation. There's tons there, but that's nuts. Yeah, and I, it's an interesting album as well. They, they, they did... It's got... I bought the vinyl of it, and it's got four sides to it. Four sides? Uh, Isn't that four cute? Sides. The first album is pretty much an album, as far as I can tell. And then the third side <laughs> is them collaborating with a load of other people, including uh, people from sort of, uh, you know, sort of ex- quite, I wouldn't say big. There's no grindcore band apart from Napalm Death is probably that big. Um, they're not that big. Sort of notable, notable grindcore band called uh, uh, Gr- uh, Gridlink, um, who are quite experimental. Um, the guitarists from that, they've got drummers. I think the drummer from the current Death, uh, Megadeth drummers on it, and they and um, and then at the end of it, they remix the whole album. The last side, side D. They remix the whole album together, and it's just this one sort of experimental piece of music. And a lot of the tracks on the side, on, on the side with collaborations of two drummers, and so there's guitarists and bassists and drummers and vocalists everywhere coming in at different things. And, the fir- the, and then the first album, which they just kept to the four or five of them, I don't know how many are in the band itself, they did this sort of like... Uh, it's mixed together. These grindcore songs are mixed together with this sort of floating music, um, and uh, I, I played it in front of my 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 partner and our child. Uh, my partner didn't like it, but our child was having a great time with this pull and push of like this floating sort of ethereal stuff, and then sort of the madness of grindcore. Uh, for like a minute and a half, thirty seconds, and then going back to this ethereal stuff. So this, this it's album kind of uh, it's ideal toddler music grindcore, isn't it? <laughs> Izzy used <laughs> to really like metal. Oh, I, I just doxed my daughter, but my daughter used to really like metal when she was younger. She called it big music, and she'd always ask for the big music, which which does make sense. But I mean, if anyone's listening to this who isn't into grindcore, it. I can remember the first time I heard it and just thought, what the fuck is this nonsense? <laughs> but there is so much, there's so much joy and so much experimentation. I mean, just what you described about, you know, the, the fourth side of the of the record. I love stuff like that. There was a, yeah. there's a band who I'm, I'm hoping to interview the singer of soon, a guy called Ed, who was in a band called The Big. And they were a ska band, but their second album was a two disc jobby. And the first one was the Scar album. 
and the second one was all the same songs but done in lots and lots of different styles like really noticeably mm. the same songs like quite, quite deliberately so there was a blues one a folk one oh, it's just such a that's just so cool um yeah i'm quite excited by that track um, i don't know if i can last a whole album but i'm not sure anyone does sit down with smoke a pipe and uh sip at brandy whilst listening to a, a grindcore album start to finish I, I might do it after uh, a long day. Um, I did listen to the album first time. Uh, it's, it's. I'm trying to disassociate when I listen to. I need sort of mood music when I drive, and so when I listen, to, I can't listen to metal or particularly grindcore mm. or punk rock when I drive because I get too aggressive. <laughs> um, but I did listen to that just out of curiosity, and I managed to sort of stay in lane and around the speed speed limit i don't tend to listen to a lot of um extreme metal when i'm driving mostly because on a motorway even if you've got quite a nice sound system just the sonics are just lost and that goes for quite a lot of genres actually but you you lose all the subtlety and and i remember the first time i heard in that case andrew if you want to understand metallica particularly modern metallica listen to them on the highway oh really promise you yeah, that or doing exercise, because they've so got this. They just cut through. They cut through because they have this, and Pantera might have the th- the same thing. But mm-hmm, if you listen to this, is going off track. But this, if you listen, I, I have this theory. I was cycling along, and I was listening to the new Metallica album, and I was listening to on these these Bose headphones, these wanky headphones I bought, which have a little microphone above your ear. Rather than being in your ear, your ear is completely uh, open to the world around you. So sometimes mm. roadworks, traffic, et cetera, et cetera, drown it out. But when, you're, when you can hear the music, you need really well-spaced instrumentation. And Metallica's production, since I'd say the Black Album, has done that better than anybody else and mm. so you can actually so rather than a lot of sort of modern modern like metal where it's really uh it sounds really good when you're sat down listening to it in the bus or something like that or at home on a stereo system um but there's not actually a lot of separation in the drums particularly the drums it all sounds like quite condensed whereas metallica you can really hear the kick and the snare and it really drives you because there's a lot of space and this is and this is uh, going to become my defense of Lars Ulrich is that he is not a great technical drummer but he understands space within drumming better mm. than I'd say almost every other drummer around and therefore when you do something else with Metallica when it's a bit buzzy you can actually hear Metallica what the details of the songs are and the other aspect I want to say about the new Metallica album this is my final part of the review this has been in my head is Lars Ulrich and a lot of um he's the drummer in a lot of interviews he's been talking about trying to get into shape with Peloton the cycling home Mm. cycling kit and my theory is is that he is Metallica's a really good album, a really good band to do exercise for because this is how he listens to the music home edits. When he's sort of listening to the day's production, he goes on his Peloton bike and he listens to it and he gets into a rhythm with it. And actually, it really works. Metallica is a really good band to do exercise to because they push and pull rhythms, they groove and then they speed up and then they have all these sort of like, so it's like you have intense bursts of speed with Metallica these days, but then they pull back and they sort of go in this ACDC rhythm and then they speed up again. And uh, and it's really good to do exercise because it, you pace yourself with it. We That's are going to do a whole episode on music to exercise too. Yeah. So I, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to pull at that thread for now. I very much enjoyed that though. Um, right, so let's get on to my riff of the week. Yes. Now Sorry, I've chosen yes. somebody who's very famous for playing saxophone. But the bit I'm going to play you isn't the riff for the saxophone. It's something I really like about this particular... Oh, don't just say what it is. It's John Coltrane, Love Supreme. Going to play a bit of part three, which is Pursuance. And one of the things I really love about that album is that obviously the saxophone is the star. He's, he's absolutely the big thing. But 
there's actually a hell of a lot of really, really cool stuff going on in the background. So I'm going to play you a bit that the bass is cool, but the bass is largely doing what I would expect to the bass in a John Coltrane thing to do. It's doing the walking kind of riff thing, which is nice. But just listen out to the piano. I just thought it was just a cool example of the way the album flows through textures. Here we go. What do you think? Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, who's the pianist? Oh, God, I probably should have looked that up, shouldn't I? This is this um, is like a key thing in jazz listening. You have to name all the <laughs> instruments. The guy called McCoy Turner, he's, le- he's sort of a legend in his own right. Um, but, yeah, it's really, I, I think, actually, that's a really nice way of listening to jazz as highlighting, sort of just listen to this section. Actually, listen to jazz in 30 seconds. Yeah, I, yeah it's a good. horrible tease. I, I know. I'm just looking up who the who the... Who the drum um, pianist was? Piano. Help if I could spell piano. Ah, bollocks if I can find it. Oh, well, that'll leave people screaming. They can go look it up, can't they? Everyone knows how to use Google. Um, Confusingly, on on the Wikipedia page, though, it's got a picture of Carlos Carlos Santana. Are you sure you're looking at the right thing? (laughs) (laughs) Hang on, there's a picture of like the A team on this page, and like (laughs) there's some sort of vegetable peeling. Uh, No, I don't know what the hell I'm looking at. Let's let's move on. Um, (laughs) What blew my mind when I clipped that when I when I kind of got the audio? So I was listening to it, going, yeah, 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 listening to the tinkly bit, Uh, you know, the the sort of the melody line of the piano, but the left hand, the things. The things that's doing, I'm assuming it's one take. I'm pretty sure all those albums were live. If that's one take, the separation that that pianist has got in their head between what their left hand is doing and what the right hand is doing is absolutely mind-blowing. You and I both play bass. When you play bass, you do a string. You do a string. That shows how skilled I am. You do a string <laughs> with your string-doing plucking hand. And then the other hand on, on the bendy bit, the string, the, the pointy long the neck, it's kind of mostly happening at the same time, unless you're doing camera on or slides or something. But that, like, he's, he's doing two people's jobs. It's like yeah. sometimes I think some musicians get should get paid twice. Like you see drummers of, um, well, actually most black metal bands, I think the drummer should get paid more because they're doing consi- considerably more. I saw Death Haven Death and they just like, in that, yeah. the drummers put, really putting in the work. Uh, I, I think that's a fair point. But yeah, there's a... Uh... Back in the band Pissed Resistance, our drummer Will, he, bless him, at one point, I think in a practice, was trying to do a drum beat where his, I think, ambition at one point was to try and get every limb doing a different time signature. <laughs> one man polyrhythms. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there are people who do that. I think Rush, the drummer, the Neil Pert, was mm-hmm. Neil Pert, the Rush drummer. I think he, he did that sort of thing of like, you know, um, and I'm pretty sure Steve Copeland does that sort of thing. Uh, but yeah, if it, but that's prog rock, and you know, it is. But that's... Neil Peart break breaks the golden rule of drummers. Generally, the better the drummer, the fewer the drums they have. A lot of the drummers I really really like just to have you know play a three piece or a four piece, really small kits. But Neil Peart. Looks like he's trying to build himself a defensive wall against an army of oncoming orcs or something. I think he went that's, into the drum shop and said, I'll take the shop. That's <laughs> um, God, God bless Roto Toms. Uh, those are those Toms, for people who don't know, those are those Toms that you uh, can um, you can tune as you play them and they go. Um, and the Primus drum is very into them, but he's also very into Neil Peart. Uh, we should do, that's another thing, drummers, uh, you know. Uh, oh, right, right. I need, to, I need to make a note of this. I'm going to do it now. You'll probably hear me clacking on the keyboards. Carry on. Sorry, you don't need to. No, no. It's, um, well, but, I've got better. Yeah. 
Oh, no, I, I think your point about McCoy Turner, the, the pianist in that track. Uh, ah, you Coldplay. found it. Well done. Yeah, he was, um, he's very, uh, yeah, well, what can you say about him? I have, I have no lexicon to talk about jazz, frankly. Um, he is a good ponker, plinker ponker. <laughs> very impressive. I, I do, I know someone who... Um, I'm kind of plundering a, a group of friends at the moment for, for guests and I'm recording later today with someone. We're going to do an episode on the fall, but I, um, I, sorry, my phone was ringing in my ear then. So I'll just switch that off that I have got a friend who's done, I seem to do a really good talk on jazz. So I'm going to hopefully get him along at some point, but yeah, good plinky plonky. Right. Look, we're 20 minutes in and we haven't even started on the parodies yet. So I think we ought to just kind of forge on and, this is your first choice. The first one. Oh man, what is it? People keep ringing me. Right, I'm going to put my phone on flight mode now because that's two calls in a row. And then I'll forget it's on flight mode and have a lovely, peaceful day. <laughs> right, that's done. Right then. So yeah, I was really surprised with your first choice because it's not a band. I I, I don't see them as a parody band. So the band is good, clean, fun. And the track is Song for the Lady, so I'll play it, and then I'm going to give you a little bit of jab in the ribs to explain yourself, Sam. Explain yourself. Here we go. I've just realized why I was so surprised because I was confusing good clean fun with no means no. And uh, I was thinking, God, they sound really different to what I've heard before. <laughs> 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 and also I was like, where's that lovely kind of anyway, anyway. Good clean fun, song for the ladies. So Song for the Ladies, yeah. They are early two thousands uh hardcore uh parody band. They are I still see them as a corrective to and uh, hardcore really needs this every so often because it's very in America, to use an Americanism, a very uh, a genre, uh, a scene that is very easy, uh, very easily falls into this bro sort of uh, <laughs> lots of. I went. There's a great line. Um, no, uh, it's a bit homophobic these days. There's a line in a, a sick of it all. Um, uh, sick of it all. Uh, in, in the song between ba- in, uh, between song banter, uh, sick of it all album, which is uh, their live album. What they? Live album, which was the the singer who seems like a cool guy. I don't think he is homophobic. So, be well, the line is just the line's dated essentially, and it basically says this. Let's hear it for the ladies here, because otherwise, basically, this would just be a bunch of topless men rubbing themselves against each other. That's not homophobic, it's just true. That's <laughs> funny. So, um, but it, so, so this band, I sort of see, you know, Sickable, Sickable sort of, they've fallen into this macho bullshit culture. And hardcore needs this corrective every so often of like, or any genre, any sort of punk rock male dominated genre really needs a corrective. And Good Clean Fun were quite a nice sort of, they did, they wrote really, catchy hardcore punk songs in that early 2000s style 1990s style and they sounded great the grand really great uh gang choruses they were catchy really well sort of put together song but all the lyrics were sort of i think it captures a really good part part parody which is that it is parody bands tend to be in love with the music they're taking the piss out of and there's a lot of love there for hardcore, but there's also a lot of like, stop taking yourself so seriously, guys. You are also stop being assholes. Well, good, good, good message. I can get behind that. Um, it, it's just made it's, it's made me think that for a lot of the choices, and obviously I, I know what's coming up. A lot of the choices, the the lyrics, the vocals are really what makes it parody. There is one exception, which was going to be my first choice, actually. But yeah, if it's not for the lyrics, so if you couldn't understand the language that that they're singing, 
then how do you know it's parody? Which means we're missing out on a lot of non-English language parody music. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I, I think, uh, you know, it's always, and, you know, that's the thing of like not knowing, understanding. That's always scared me about listening to music or language I don't understand. Um, in a way of sort of like, is there a joke here that I'm not getting? Or if I think this is a bit of a joke, is that offensive? Um, and this is, uh, you know, like, this always sort of a, a thought that goes through my head when I listen to particularly highly stylized uh, music that's that where the singer is not singing in English. Um, I, I, we've got a note to, to do an episode about the best songs not sung in English. So I think it's it's a really interesting thing. But one of the choices I was going to make for... Uh, listeners, if you've not heard before, we've got four choices each here. I was going to choose Plastic Bertrand Band with Sam Plan Pumois, which, as I understand it, is taking the piss out of throwaway punk music, and it became a, a throwaway punk music hit <laughs> quite brilliantly. But I thought that's not in English, but I won't pull at that thread. Anything to add on a Song for the Ladies by Good Clean Fun before we move on? No, it's good. Let's okay, go. so... Next one, this is a band, I think you were with me when I saw this band supporting the sword. This is Gentleman's Pistols with I Wouldn't Let You. And my God, it was difficult to choose a track from this band because some of the riffs are so good. But anyway, I will shut up and I will click the thing and we will listen to Gentleman's Pistols, I Wouldn't Let You. I really enjoyed that. <laughs> when I was flicking through the tracks. This is Gentleman's Pistol. It's from an album called At Her, At Her Majesty's Pleasure, I think. And when I was flicking through the tracks trying to choose which one, my wife in the other room just went, this is brilliant. What's this? <laughs> because it, it's, it's it's really good. The vocals, I mean, it's clearly a, it's a, a pastiche of, I guess, early 70s, Thin Lizzy, rock, you know, rock with a, with a R-A-W-K. But when we saw them live, it's played with such perfect observance. Even even the singers had like a bob cut, like a purdy cut, and the instruments they were wearing and the sound, they were just so spot on that I kind of have to think, well, is it parody or is it just a, just that thing that metal bands do where, where you choose a genre and you just try and do it better than everyone else does it? I mean, the lyrics are absurd, which I think is what probably does make them a parody band. But this, I think this is goes... I think this is that question of like I think you you have a good point like the music is both sort of a loving homage to it but also it is sort of going it is very self-aware and I think that self-awareness is what brings parody into account you know that's but that is mostly transferred I feel not almost made most obvious with um most obvious with parody uh, with uh, the lyrics and i've also just remembered two bands that i wish i had included on the list and i didn't so <laughs> That's i'm the curse sorry of doing this isn't it yeah what tyler um and hard skin i'm sorry you should have been here um particularly hard skin <laughs> who whose second album is one of my favorite is probably the only oi album that i actually like um and anyway sorry back to this yeah the, i mean and and so much of I was going to ask you what do you think stand makes them stand out compared to say other bands that are doing this style of music today probably because they're they're not massively serious there's mm. I went through a phase of reading classic rock magazine because I, I never really apart from Led Zeppelin I never really got that kind of 
seventies rock thing. It, it just passed. Well, it didn't pass me by because I wasn't fucking born. Um, but you know, it, it, I never got it. So I went through a phrase of reading classic rock magazine, treating it almost as as you might a historical journal or something. And I think the writing is really it was a joy just to read. So I, I never. I could pick out Thin Lizzy. I could probably only pick out a few tracks, but mm. there are bands going now that do it and take it very, very seriously, which is not my place to judge anyone for that. But because you and I are from a slightly more extreme and more punk thing, we're always looking for people who push the envelope. And doing it with all seriousness in 2023 doesn't interest me in the slightest. Whereas doing it in the way that Gentleman's Pistols do it, I mean, just starting and immediately going into the dual guitar thing, it's just, and then the junk, junk, junk. The whole album is is full of cliches in in mm. the most brilliant way, but it, it's that, yeah, it's that self awareness <laughs> that I think make makes it entertaining. I don't, I don't really, there, I see bands all the time um i did an episode a while ago about ipswich music day it's full of bands trying to do rock seriously yeah, yeah and yeah, I, yeah. I just couldn't give a shit could not give a shit at all i want i want someone wearing a paisley shirt with a, with a bob bob haircut but i think <laughs> this is the thing is that like this is why i think parody is also about the love of the music because it is sort of going you have to take that self-awareness and be and do it very self-aware but also really, like, I don't give two shits what people think of me mm. aspect as well. There's not like a, there's a, there's a contradiction inherent in it of, like, you have parody has to know what it's doing, but also not give a shit enough to, to do it well, um, has to not give a shit enough to think things through that much and to self-edit. You know, core. <laughs> yeah, I, I wasn't going to raise it, but one of my bands, uh, Zeb, we did a, a parody album, and we decided not to self-censor at all. And I'm <laughs> kind of a little ashamed of it now. You know, now I look back and think, actually, there was some nothing nasty, so nothing, nothing that that I would be really ashamed of, but just the use of language and, and when we sent it out for review we got absolutely ripped to shit because we didn't make it clear enough that it was a parody or a comment it, we were commenting on stupid bloke rock basically mm. but we clearly didn't make that clear and we got some very nasty things said about Was that your second album yeah um i can't even remember what it's called gargantuan something but i think it's, I, I i think despite the lyrics that's my favorite album of yours so what's this what's the lyric about johnny cash <laughs> <laughs> let's not go there let's not repeat that she's, i just remember it's one of the few i remember <laughs> no, 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 no. um do you don't want me, don't want me to say it to you but if, if I, anybody I, wants to if anybody wants i'm sure this this album's available on Bandcamp. <laughs> and, it, it, and andrew it is a Give yourself a treat of self-discovery and make your estimation of Andrew full consider. Drop. <laughs> Drop through the floor. <laughs> uh, God. No, musically, that, that album was a blast because we, we set out to do a very specific thing and it was to just the make something... great that... on that album. The, good, yeah. the, the sounds, it's, I, I, seriously, I think the, the joy in playing of that, and this is the thing I think what happens with uh, the best parody bands, is the joy of playing music and repeat and it, it just comes through it's like okay we're taking the piss out of it but at the same time come on you're not you're not going to do it because you dislike the basis of the music you dislike maybe what it you know it has become when it takes itself too seriously but this is parody is a corrective and it's a necessary one i think i had more fun on stage during that second album kind of phase than i did at any other time in, in that band i think apart from the initial kind of burst of suddenly people actually liking something i was making but on stage it, it was it was a riot because we were like right i want to write a song that's got a bit on bass where i can just use bass chords and i can just really fucking grind it then in this other song i want a i want a shredding bass solo where there really doesn't need to be one and it was it was great fun the problem we had is that we built up such a head of pressure for people expecting that kind of thing that when the third album came and we didn't want to do that anymore, we made an <laughs> album that kind of sucked. 
<laughs> it's not great. Um, although that saying, it does end with a 15 minute long bass solo uh, that was just me playing, <laughs> which even I've not listened to since we recorded it, because who would want to listen to that? Anyway, <laughs> we, we, ought, we ought to move on. Um, so next choice from you is, uh, is it Beatallica? Beatallica. Beatallica. Beat Alec- no, Beat Alica. Beat Alica. Right. I don't know what Alica's done to deserve that, but uh, the song is... <laughs> and justice for all my loving God. Close your eyes and I'll kiss you. The heaven rises you. Just as it's seeking no through. And then while I'm away, I can't believe the price you pay. still going on <laughs> right so oh. your reaction to that because listeners sam and i can see each other through the magic of the interwebs about five seconds in you laughed and then you stopped <laughs> laughing and you started looking at something something else on your on your desk or something which i think for that kind of that type of parody band i i yeah you kind of go oh that's amusing and that's it uh, no i i know i i i they were their band they they are quite obviously a mixture of the beatles and metallica and they use i think mostly beatles chord changes over metallica rhythms and i have a deep endearing love for them because they were a band that i sort of discovered in the early 2000s and sort of the i wouldn't say i would say the middle ages of the uh the dark ages of, of downloading stuff on the internet. But they put all their stuff up for free at the time. And um, I was uh, I was actually looking up when they were originally around, because it was that 2001 period. And I loved it as a sort of a, a weird art project. Again, it's sort of the love of the Beatles and Metallica come through. It's sort of, you know, that thing, it, James, the, 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 the vocalist is more James Hetfield than James Hetfield. Uh, in in a way, and um, and yeah, it's just such a ridiculous sort of concept. But at the same time, I grew up in Beatles because my mum loved the Beatles, and my first music teacher loved the Beatles. So we sang Beatles songs at school during our like music lessons when I was five years old, and so I grew up with the Beatles all in these melodies, and then to hear them transposed to this rhythm that you know meant so much to me is growing up as a teenager the metallica rhythms um thrash rhythms it's sort of like it was like oh this is just fantastic i just it's i just find it quite an exciting strange thing and yeah i i loved it i probably i haven't listened to it since those days but i still have this enduring sort of it's a nostalgic thing for me and i think in a weird way that's what they are as a band they're sort of an endearing nostalgia um yeah, I I um when I when I clipped it, I thought right that song fair enough, and I thought surely they can't drag this out that long. Although it does kind of work, it does kind of make sense. Oh, how so many start... albums have they got now? They've got one. They've got one, two, three, four. They've released four albums, including one, the Devolver album. Uh... <laughs> it's it's the names that that I really like. They 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 work so nicely for like making yeah. things. I thought they were sort of slightly motorhead as well as being kind of slightly metal, but devolver. <laughs> yeah, so they, they have um, the okay. This is a title. This is EPs included. A garage days night. Uh, Beatallica <laughs> self titled. Um, Sergeant Hetfield's Motor Breath Pub Band. That's my favourite. That's my yeah. favourite title. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. All you love, all you need is blood. Um, <laughs> Masterful mystery tour, winter plunderland, Abbey Load. I like that one. And I like, devolver. Hey, 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 dude. <laughs> Just so fucking <laughs> obvious. Oh man. Hey, dude. Oh yeah, that's a great. That's a great one. Um, <laughs> Although I think I, yeah, Sergeant Hetfield's motor breath, whatever the rest was, is good. But I think I think one of my favourites as well. <laughs> I, I want to choke your band. <laughs> <laughs> oh 
God, Leopard Madonna. I mean, it's it, it kind of it just writes itself. I would guess they're going to run out of Beatles albums at some point, but <laughs> just wow. Yeah, just... I, I, yeah, I have. They, they're nostalgic. Listen to me, but I also think that they prove to they're sort of like an interesting project because they also prove that you can play very melodic chord changes at that pace, and why more people don't do that sort of thing is uh, is sad to me. I think they. Should oh, be, you just uh, meant just as a whole in metal. It, it, um, yeah, I, I've never really learned music theory behind things. You get that that thing where people write, oh, the chord progression's I, V, V, I, something. Yeah. I, I don't understand what that is, and that's probably not clear in the music I make. But yeah, that thanks for that. That that was <laughs> that was entertaining. <laughs> Sorry, it's not a helter skelter. It's Helvester of Skeller. <laughs> just just what? <laughs> oh dear, blackened the <laughs> blackened the USSR. <laughs> oh, just oh, just marvelous. I mean, just just looking them up. I like everyone's got a ticket to ride except you. I think is what it is. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to click on it. No, it's everyone's everyone's got a ticket to ride except for me and my lightning. <laughs> it's like, they're just cramming together. It's like they're doing compound like Germans have compound verbs where they just join words together to make big words. That's basically what they're doing with the with Beatles. It's marvellous. It's marvellous. Yeah, my, my life. They are, joy, they are joy to listen to because they play you know, they do exactly if you like the Beatles and you like Metallica, listen to Beatallica. You won't be disappointed. It's like an 80s TiVo in a TV commercial. <laughs> oh, man, available only by mail order. Um, right, let's have, let's have another one now. We're sticking with the Beatles, and it clearly isn't the Beatles. This is Frank Zappa, and you mentioned earlier about the dark days or the good days of, of downloading. When, when Napster first came around, I know, late, it must have been early 2000s, one of the things I really loved about it, and one of the things that I miss, is that you would find these rarities. You'd find things that you just didn't even know existed. And I'm quite amazed I managed to track this down. So <laughs> this is uh, Frank Zappa with Louisiana Hooker with Herpes. Suddenly someone is there at commercial. The girl with the P.O. surprise. So there you go. Now, <laughs> 30 seconds doesn't do that justice because, for one thing, it's the genius of Frank Zappa. And, you know, his band is without a doubt going to be better musicians than, than the Beatles. They're just fucking phenomenal. Everything, whether it's Mother's Invention or just anything else he does. That being said, I'm not a, a diehard fan. I, I think a lot of it's quite inaccessible. But if you look up the whole of that song, it's what they've done they're not just going oh we're putting rude words in we're putting sex words in it is they've actually crafted the whole song into a whole other story of a tv evangelist being caught <laughs> out and it's beautifully structured yeah they're fucking around and they're going oh, listen we're saying herpes but there's a bit more to it than that i mean that i assume there is only live versions that's all i could find i mean the the swanny whistle the I can't do an impression of a swanny whistle. <laughs> I mean, stuff like that is is a bit, a bit kind of on the nose, if that's the right the right phrase. But yeah. that's great. It's Frank Zappa. He can do what he wants. Well, this is interesting. I mean, I, I with you, I, I, I've, I've, uh, I never got into Frank Zappa that much. I tried. I think he's, uh, but he does, he does, he pastiched a lot. So I like his Ruben. Um, is it Ruben and the Jets? I like that album quite a lot um, because I don't. I do think he he was sort of. Is he parody? Is he comedy? Is he overly serious? I don't think he was ever overly serious. I think he was very. No, I don't, don't think that could be leveled at Frank Zappa. And uh, I think I think a lot of his times his lyrics have aged quite badly um, from because he he, I don't know if he was a misogynist. But they come over as quite misogynistic. He, I, I've been reading. I gave up on it because I think it, it was a bit dreadful. But um, 
the famous groupie book. Mm. Uh, I can't even remember the name of the person who wrote it. And there's a lot of, there's a lot about Frank Zappa in that. Um, he he formed a band or he encouraged these these girls kind of groupies to form a band. I can't, I can't remember what they're called. Girls Together Outrageously. And no, I think he actually came across as quite quite the opposite. He was mm. quite nurturing when people this I'm getting this all from this one book uh, called I'm with the band. He's quite nurturing in that until a couple of them get into heroin and then he basically excommunicates them. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I think I can imagine he's being quite a Puritan. Um mm. yeah. heroin's pretty bad. I mean I don't I think mean, anyone here is listening going, oh, I'll give it a go. Yeah. It's um but it, it yeah. I sort of I think Frank Zappa to me is one of like he's he's sort of like a he's one of those artists I guess in the same way like I would say I appreciate Jackson Pollock I'm glad someone did the experiment I'm not mm. sure I really want to sit spend that much time with it that that's yeah that that's a really good a really good um summary the only album I own is one of the late sixties. Uh, Mother's Inventions album, which is a live album called Just Another Band from LA, which is only has about four songs on it, but the first song is about 40 minutes long, called Billy, Billy the Mountain, and it's, yeah. it's basically a whole opera thing. Brilliant. Well, this is, this is, you know, this is the thing, I think him and Charles Mingus did this really interesting thing, where Charles Mingus was trying to breach, uh, I guess, along, uh, you know, following in the footsteps of Duke Ellington, breach, sort of the line between position and jazz Frank Zappa was trying to breach the line between and this is based on very little information I'm sorry for any Frank Zappa fans but my understanding is that he sort of was between the lines of um, of basically sort of that rock scene and composition as well it was you know he was an incredible composer I just don't particularly understand the music and that's not my I don't think that's that's particularly wrong. I I think one day I'll get it. There's there's several bands I feel that way about. Um, the Clash being one of them, because where he's interesting, Jimmy Page was quite talented, and he showed that off live by just playing as many notes as he could. It's just bollocks. It doesn't make any sense. Just, I don't get that. Whereas Frank Zappa appears to have almost too much restraint. Mm. Anyway, enough Frank Zappa chat. Let's. <laughs> I can't find a link between Frank Zappa and, and your next choice. Um, I, you know, I'm going to play it, and you can explain it afterwards. Okay. You, here we go. Boo. It's time that we let the world know, bitch, your vag look like Janet Reno. Aquafina's a genius, and her vagina is 50 times better than a penis. It's time that we let the world know, bitch, your vag look like Janet Reno. Aquafina's a genius, and her vagina is 50 times better than a penis. Utilities, your fat ass is on disability. My veg, a Beyonce weave, your veg, a polyester Kmart hairpiece. Aquafina with my veg. So, Sam, it's, it's so nice. It's so nice to hear a woman, uh, you know, talking about the strengths of her vagina. Um, because so often in hip hop, it's just you know, big dicks everywhere, whereas this is all about. How wonderful pussies are! Uh, excuse the the word, and uh, I don't have much to add to it. I think it's a parody of, it's. I think it is. It's a sort of a cover of a track from some other rapper I have no idea about, and I just heard this song and it just made me laugh quite a lot. And um, I just thought it was a really good take, really sort of like very pure. I'll take on the whole sort of dick swinging that gets that goes on a little bit too well it goes on far too much for my taste in uh at all, all aspects of life <laughs> all aspects of life and it's just like oh no this is cool she's cool uh yeah, this is funny think... and it's and and genuinely funny lyrics uh again you know um and it's sort of I don't know, yeah. I just really liked the sort of the take on it. It was felt fresh, fresh at the time. It, 
it's interesting because when I first heard it, I I just took it on face value and just kind of thought, well, this is quite cool. But sort of the the more it sort of mulls over in my mind, the the cooler I think it is because it's not. <laughs> I am a cisgender white male here, but it's not. It's not saying, "Hey, I've got the solution. This is the answer." It's just going, "Look, this is a fun little thing that we're just yeah. we're just going to muck around with." And don't don't, don't call women's vaginas fun little things. <laughs> let's, let's let's move on to something. <laughs> <laughs> Something very, very silly, but when I heard it, I was surprised just how much I realized. <laughs> Fuck's sake, Sam. <laughs> I'm sorry. What Terminator being filmed in Aberdeer, so alone? When people stop and stare, like seeing three people put with pubes and hair. Robot lab. Robot. The doctor staying in the nut, they said he was in a case Cause he sticks great silver egg cans on his face Sucking off antennas and trying to fuck the fridge And burn his pubic wig with a high voltage Eyes, arms as rosebots Mine's primes, dies reactives His tools, goes to the shops And boys turns fans Do's <laughs> Just Goldie looking chain with um, half man, half machine I chose, I, I found difficulty choosing choosing uh which 30 seconds of that track but that one encompassed the line like cp3o but with pubes and hair and <laughs> i just i love the the way he does the robot voice just by adding like an s to the end of it it doesn't really make a lick of fucking sense at all the eyes am Zay's robots i don't know why it just that's that's old now and and you know i guess other people might have chosen your mother's got a penis as the track, but I didn't choose that because that's it's still funny, but it's just too it's too obvious. This guy dressing up as a robot to go to the shop and buy ten fags is just I, there's something so so British about it. I don't know, it's just it's so uh, like the aspiration. It's not like oh the other line like Terminator being filmed in Aberdeer, but just not like hey I'm a robot we're going to take over the world. It's like I'm a robot and I'm going to go and buy not even twenty fags, just ten. <laughs> just it's just so <laughs> I don't know, it's so basic and amazingly that was on they're on East West, you know, big label with a, a proud a proud history. And the production on that is is ropey as shit. It's I don't know why they, they didn't do it better, but East West have a bit of a there's another band which which is gonna be my last choice, who did the same thing. Album on East West was shite production. Second album on East West with good production that didn't do as well. So maybe, <laughs> maybe the producers are just geniuses. But I, I like the whole Goldie Look and Change story. It is a bunch of knobs. It's a bunch of blokes. It's um, I did a Wu Tang episode a few a few weeks ago um, about American Saga, which incidentally the third season is brilliant. If anyone's not started watching it yet. But the thing I like about that, Rizza in that basically gathers friends together and he, he gets them to improve each other and like you know, outwrap each other. And it's he's very much his collective. And it's a similar story with Goldie Look and Chain, as I understand it. It is someone who was taking hip hop very seriously and just fancied having a laugh with his mates. Um, I'd like to find out more, but I, when I was using Twitter more, I'd follow them on Twitter and they're, they're just funny. They're just, they're just amusing kind of, we saw them at Reading Festival. They were they were filling in for someone who dropped out, and they they hired loads of invalid carts and did them up, and were like racing around the Reading Festival on them. Clearly, like a band is like, hey, we've suddenly got money, but we've never we don't know what to do with it, so <laughs> just gonna fuck around. I mean, do you have anything to add about Goldie looking chain? Uh, no. <laughs> uh, I thought it was interesting. You know, it's like. Yeah, I think the self-awareness in hip-hop can go two ways. You can go like the sort of empowerment way in a way, which I think the Aquafina version becomes. Or you can just go like the stupid um, but funny. And I think I think I personally think there's something very British about the sense of humour that Golding Looking Chain espouse. And I think you wouldn't it wouldn't translate anywhere else because it's sort of yeah it's it, there's something of the small town humor in it and it is 
fantastic fun um and yeah and Yay. I just don't think the Americans would really get it. Well, I'm, I'm guessing none of them made millions. Although, weirdly, Maggot, one of them, who I think is the one uh, rapping as the robot, went on to win Celebrity Big Brother. <laughs> it's very strange. Although it's cool, actually. He came across cool as shit. He just seemed such a, a, a proper human being rather than a... Uh, you know, a, a pastiche of a human being. But anyway, let, let's move on because your next track is someone I'd never heard of called Judd Judd. And the track is Hi Hat Song. And I don't know if I've got the right version or not, but I'm going to play it and then I can ask Sam why he's gesturing at me in the way he is. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Is that it? I can't read really tell what it's I think it's finished. What the fuck is that? I mean, is is that the right version? Because this is the yeah, demo yeah, version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is oh. acapella, acapella, um, acapella hardcore. <laughs> hardcore? Is that what it is? I thought it was like technical. <laughs> I thought it was. I couldn't figure it out. I thought it was techno or something. And when I found the album. <laughs> there's a lot of songs i thought right maybe this is just like an intro track or something so i flicked through it's all the fucking same it's all that is, are they saying judd in all of the tracks as well yeah 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 i found this on tidal i didn't have to like go digging for it it was very uh, accessible it's called the hi-hat song because it's got <laughs> <laughs> just how did you what how did you even know that exists uh my friend andy our friend andy uh, when I lived with him very briefly, I believe it was when I lived with him very briefly, there was a punk rock shop in Brighton, which is very sadly closed down. And punk which rock one? record shop. Uh, punk Bunker? Punk Bunker. Yeah. Um, and um, this, is, this, is, this is a demo released on No Idea. No uh, way. No really? Idea do, were sort of like the, the American label at the time. Uh, they put out mm. Against Me, they put out a whole host of other bands um who were great and then they also put out this really weird acapella hardcore thing um <laughs> and again and apparently they did they did actually they did it live as well i, I and, just would love to see that being a hardcore show and just seeing that in in the middle yeah. that's what that's and, what that's what you should do if you make money from a label you should put out weird shit that yeah. is absolutely what you should do stuff that makes you laugh and again i, I it's like I kick myself now because I forgot about what Tyler and Hardskin, but Judd Judd are just like, they're also taking the piss. Again, it's like good, clean fun, but just an extreme version of it. Cheaper to they, record. They have the whole X's between the names, which is why I was holding my hand up. Oh, I get it now. I couldn't oh. figure out why, why the demo had X's all over it. Now I know it's hardcore. That makes total yeah. sense. Yeah, and and it is, it's all linked to the straight edge movement, and there's a certain aspect of the straight edge movement which takes itself so so seriously. In the same way that a lot of black metal bands take themselves so seriously, that just leads them to parody. Yeah. Oh God, it's um, it's so it's so easy. It's like like black metal. It's just like why bother? You don't need a parody black metal band because there no. are black metal bands doing it doing it without knowing their parodies. Exactly, and, and this is sort of it's also the same you know it's the sort of the same and it's just a it's just i don't know it's a joyous weird piece of uh just culture wild. you know they're, they're... Late early 2000s culture wonderful weird what the fuck was going on that they actually put that <laughs> out that's just oh, wow thank you sam this is this has been this has been really good fun but we are running out of time so i'm going to play i'm going to play the last track now I might have to explain what it is. It's a band called the Shire Horses, and they're not a band, really. But there's um, a guy called Mark Radcliffe, who's a radio presenter. He produced loads of Peel sessions in the early 80s and went on in the early 90s to have a late-night show that I absolutely adored, where it, you know, it was sort of after the evening session, which was Steve Lurpak and... Um, oh, 
fuck, I've forgotten her name. Her um, pack of the, the, the butter, the butter family. <laughs> Steve Lamack and Joe Wiley. So they were like the, the indie show. And then you had obviously John Peel late at night. There was just whatever he fancied playing. But in the middle, there was Mark Riley's, uh, sorry, Mark Radcliffe's show. And he was joined sometimes, a lot of the time, by a guy called Mike, Mark Riley, who he referred to as Lard. And Mark Riley was in the fall for, for quite a while um, until <laughs> Marky Smith booted him out and the press release said it's because he was a fucking idiot or something like that. It was it was just a really odd, stupid reason. But they, they used to have bands play on the show and they they weren't comedy at all. They, they did some really funny things. Like they did a musician's guide to music, which I've got on tape somewhere and I wish I still had because I my wife and I still quote bits of it. Um, but... They, I don't know whose decision it was, but they ended up being put on daytime Radio 1 uh, in the afternoons. And then very briefly, they did the breakfast show, lasted about three months and they got fired. But uh, when they did the afternoon show, I, I, they had to pad it out with something. So they started doing covers of, of bands. And Mark Riley, I think he played guitar and bass in the fall. I think he alternated um, Mark Radcliffe is a really good drummer. He, he's Noddy Holder's drummer. So, you know, they are proper musicians, but the production, part of the, the humour was that the production was so bad. So absolutely awful. And this is another track that when I played it, when I was clipping it, my wife heard it in the other room and burst out laughing because the ending <laughs> on this, I can still remember the first time I heard the ending of this track and it, it caught me by surprise. It made me laugh so much. Now, I've piped it up and it's shit <laughs> just to prepare you it's awful and i'll just i'll just shut up and just press play the shy horses with you're a bastard Oh, just at the end, you see this. Ooh, I don't know. God, I don't. There's what needs to be explained about that. Hey, just they—they they do two different versions of "Your Gorgeous" by Baby Bird on the same album. But it, <laughs> it's it's so ropey. It's so bad. But I—I I thought it would date really badly because this was early two thousands, and they're all covers of songs that this is like the Britpop thing, you know when that had really taken hold and become an, the establishment rather than the underground. But it's just nonsense. And that was on East West as well. That was on a big label. That was, that must've been some A&R guy gone rogue, you know, fuck <laughs> this, fuck all this. I'm just going to sign the stupidest, funniest things I can because fucking what's, what's fuck all this. It's it's you you painting the picture as like someone having like a Jerry Maguire type breakdown, and instead of like yeah. writing a manifesto for for improving the music business, just go, Do you know, I'm going to sign these two silly Manchester DJs. People, it's sort of it's sort of like there's, a, there's an aspect of like ah oh, fuck it, people buy it, people buy anything, fucking cats. they pe- they people bought the album, they 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 supported some fairly big bands. They they hey, didn't last hey, very long. Hey. I watched a film about uh, uh, watched a biopic about um, Weird Al this year, and I oh, think what's that should, like? Um, it's a lot of fun. It's okay. stupid as hell. Mark Radcliffe, all power to him because he seems to have made his money with Harry Potter. No, Daniel Radcliffe. Just just to be Daniel, clear, <laughs> Mark Radcliffe, Radcliffe was 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 not Harry Potter. Perfect. Uh, <laughs> I never watched Harry Potter stuff, but uh, Daniel. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, in Daniel, that case, yeah, it's Mark Radcliffe, that guy who was just in the Shire Horses. <laughs> uh, Daniel Radcliffe seems to have made a lot of money with Harry Potter, and then decided that he he doesn't, you know, he doesn't need to make more money. He'll take the Harry Potter stuff very very seriously. Everything else, he'll do what he, he fancies. Apparently, his girlfriend uh, uh, threatened to break up with him if he didn't take the role. <laughs> really, what the weird owl role? Yeah, um, uh, but I, so you know, we've managed to get through an episode of this without talking about Weird Al or Neil Innes. 
who was the genius oh, behind local the local music hero or the ruffles. And I think both of you probably went didn't go for because we thought both of them were too obvious. And Weird Al is too obvious. Um, and uh, Neil Innes is probably too obvious to any sort of British music fan. Um, but they write um, they write beautiful lyrics, and they write and Neil Innes particularly writes amazing songs um, because Weird Al doesn't only rewrites the stuff a little bit, probably to avoid copyright laws. Neil Innes, oh. um, the end of his life, well, for most of his life, lived lived here, lived in Ipswich, well, actually in hmm. Felixstowe, which is really really close, and he used to. In Z, we played an all day at a kind of ropey, ropey, scary, terrifying pub. Um, and Neil Innes was the headliner, <laughs> which unfortunately we had to go. I didn't get to see him, but no, he was he was proper, proper regular. When the Ruttles reformed, probably only about a year or two before he died, they played at the Smokehouse, which is a sixty capacity venue here, because two of the members of the band were were friends of mine who were like local session musicians. So no, Neil Neil Innes. I'd be quite interesting to do an episode on him because I'd like to learn more about him. I, I just sort of probably took him for granted a bit, really, if I'm honest. I don't think he. Oh, I, I love I love the Bonzo dude. I mean, again, we didn't do anything about the don- Bonzo, but Bonzo are, I'd say, Bonzo Dog Doodah art. band. Yeah, they were. I just like saying that. They were more, probably more of an art project in some ways, um, uh, and you know they, but. They also they did comedy music, but I wouldn't call them parody. Um, bits and pieces of them were parody, anyway. But back to this track, yeah. I mean, what a what a good version, actually. It, a good version of, of what? Of um, you're gorgeous. Joy, <laughs> I, I wouldn't say it's a. Yeah, a sitting down in a quiet evening kind of album, but the first Shy Horse album is worth listening to. It's <laughs> it's just it's just such a joy at poking fun at what was becoming a scene that was quite swiftly disappearing up its own arse. You know, it's it's quite it's quite fun. It's that reset thing. Hey, look, we've done a loop. We've come back to the original point you made. Like we're fucking professionals or something. Ah, oh, yes. The, this is okay. Our theory, and should anybody care to disprove it, is. Parody music is an, is a necessary reset or a necessary self reflection of scenes that probably have taken far too much cocaine um, and have far too much money in them. If you disagree, then we don't give a shit. Anyway, I think we ought to end on a high point. So I'm going to say goodbye, Sam. Do you want to say goodbye? Bunker bye, Andrew. Bunker bye. Bunker bye, Andrew. Okay, bunker bye, Sam. Bunker bye. <laughs>